The Ain't No Fang Podcast. From Arizona Sports, Ain't No Fang. Arizona Sports NLCS Post Game Special on 98.7 and the Arizona Sports app. 3-2 pitch coming. And a fly ball deep right center field. He has done it. This game is tied on a pitch hit home run by Alec Thomas of Kimbrell in the eighth. Five-five game. The chaos has been embraced. The snakes are very much alive, and we've got ourselves a series that's all tied up. Snakes alive! Great evening, everyone. Steve Zinsmeister and Mitch this with you on the Arizona Sports NLCS postgame special. Not only is it a 6-5 to five victory here for the Diamondbacks in Game 4, but they will have Game 5 tomorrow at home with their ace, Zach Gallen, on the mound with a chance to take a lead in the NLCS against the Phillies. And this series is going to be decided in at least six, which is the number one goal for the Diamondbacks. Down two games to none, coming home. They forced a game six. They're back in play to win this thing and go back to the World Series for the first time since 2001. That's crazy. A really telling line. Uh, To your point, they hadn't won an NLCS game in 22 years. They've won two in the last 24 hours or That's so. That's ridiculous. Uh, after the game, we heard from Tori Lavello. Maybe we'll play this a little bit later, but one of the quotes that he had was, I'm tired of the narrative that we're just lucky to be here. And you know what? It's funny. We've talked to some callers after game one and game two. Game two was just demoralizing. We can all admit that. Game two was the low point. And not going to lie. We talked to some listeners that night who said, you know what? I'm just happy we got here. I'm happy we got this far. And we shut them down, not because they were wrong, but because we didn't want to have that conversation yet. Because we're still in the moment. And here the Diamondbacks are, 48 hours later, 72 hours later. And not only are they in this series, this series is tied now all of a sudden. So let's go back to that big moment that we just heard. Alec Thomas hits the home run that ties the ball game at five. Alec Thomas, probably not the guy you would have picked to hit that home run. If I were to say, hey, somebody's going to hit the game-tying home run tonight, who do you think it's going to be? Alec Thomas wasn't even in the starting lineup the last two games because the Phillies go with left-handed pitchers. Torrey Lovello decides to change the lineup a bit, get the extra right-handed bat. Usually Emmanuel Rivera gets into the lineup. But here comes Alec Thomas as a pinch hitter late in the game and hits the biggest home run of the season so far. Think about the role that Alec Thomas has gotten to play in these two games that they've had at home in this series. In game three, he comes in to pinch run for Tommy Pham and is immediately brought home on the next batter because he's just that fast. First to home. First to home on a Lourdes Gurriel double. And without him, they wouldn't even have been in the position that they were in in the bottom of the ninth yesterday. And then his role was obvious tonight. He comes in, he pinch hits, faces a surefire potential Hall of Fame closer in Craig Kimbrell. And he sends it into the pool off of a near first ballot Hall of Famer. You you can't make this stuff up, Steve. And let's be real for a second. That homer could have landed anywhere on the other side of the fence. We would have been just as excited. But isn't there something kind of special about the ball landing in the pool? A direct shot (laughs) into the pool. Isn't there just something a little bit unique about that? I don't know. Maybe that's just me and the the metaphors in, in baseball itself. Something about the 23-year-olds 
because we talked about their roles on this squad and how special they've been in the postseason. You talk about Alec Thomas. He hasn't had a special postseason numerically. You look at the stats. He's hitting 192 in this postseason. Not great. Only the five hits and 26 at-bats. But three of them are home runs. So they're very, very impactful big hits in the postseason. You talk about Gabriel Moreno, who knocks in the game-winning run. Uh, that's a guy who's hitting 267 in the postseason, 353 on base at the catcher position. And with stellar defense, he had a heck of a throw to second base tonight. I know there were a couple of mishaps fielding-wise. There was a play at the plate that, God, I almost don't want to talk about. But Gabby Moreno plays a huge role as a 23-year-old and as a rookie this season. Corbin Carroll, I do want to talk about Carroll a little bit. I know he hasn't played much of a role at all offensively in this series. He's 1-for-15 against the Phillies. That's not good enough. No walks, no runs, no stolen bases in this series. Uh, He hasn't really found his way as the Diamondbacks' best hitter, and I do believe that he is their best player. Catal Marte is playing out of his mind, so he's got an argument too. Got another hit today, by the way. He's hit safely in every one of his career postseason games. That's 13. 13. 13 game hitting streak to start his postseason career. Uh, So he deserves a ton of accolades. If Corbin Carroll starts performing in this series, if all of a sudden he adds something to these games starting tomorrow in game five, that sends a whole nother level to your offense. And that could be hugely impactful moving forward. So Corbin Carroll hasn't even woken up yet in this series. He was fantastic in Milwaukee. He was very good against the Dodgers. And he hasn't really done much of anything against the Phils. So if you get anything from Corbin Carroll starting tomorrow... What a boost that can be to your offense that just won two games in a row. There's a couple people in this series that I can't wait for them to join the rest of their teammates in this series. We can talk about that more later, but I think we can't divert too much from Alec Thomas and his heroics. ESPN Stats and Info. Alec Thomas is the ninth player in MLB history with a game-tying pinch hit home run in the eighth or later of a playoff game. At 23 years old, he's the youngest of any of the players who have done it. Wow. Think about the weight that you now get to lift. The weight that you now carry, too. The legacy that you now could have as a result of that big swing tonight. I like the, the thought, too, that I've been having about 23-year-olds and their level of success in the postseason. And there's two sides of the coin, right? The, the one side is they haven't been here before. Most of the Diamondbacks players have... 30 or less at-bats in the postseason in their career when they're playing a Phillies team with a lot of guys who have 200. You know, Schwarber's over 200. Uh, I think Trey Turner's over 200. Bryce Harper's right around there, too. Like, you're facing a team that has way more experience when the, the bright lights are on. 100%. But there's also the other side of the coin. When you're 23 and you're a rookie like some of these guys are, you're Alec Thomas in your second season, maybe the you don't realize the gravity of the moment to a degree. Not that you're, you're not acknowledging it. It's just, it's it's so new to you that you don't even realize the pressures that come with it. Because how long have we been talking about this team playing with house money? The last two weeks? I mean, I don't think anybody expected them out of the wild card except for this team. Yeah. They believed in themselves. So maybe they don't even see the lights as bright as they may be. This team is just living up to the moment at the right times. So many great performances tonight. Alec Thomas deserves a ton of credit for that one massive hit that he had. And it's funny, you and I were talking while watching the game. I don't love the hitting mechanics of Alec Thomas. I think that his swing is, it's 
gorgeous. It's beautiful. The problem is it's so hard to time up a leg kick like his. Right. And then well, what, remember, does he, what does he do? He hits a home run then, right after I said that. Never forget, they sent him down earlier this year. They did. And part of the mechanical fix that they had in place for Alec was to lessen like that massive leg kick. Like It, it used to be a lot bigger, that leg kick. And they sent him back down. They told him to adjust it. Don't go so big with it. And now he's a postseason hero. It's amazing what happens from May to October. Really yeah. is. And it makes me think, too, about next season and moving forward with Alec Thomas. Because coming into this postseason, this is how I viewed him. I view him as a excellent, above-average defender. A, a very much higher-than-average defender. Possible gold glove winner. Maybe even this season. But you're not going to get a ton of offense out of him. Almost like the Nick Ahmed thing and how he's had a job in Arizona for so long because he just had such great defense that it didn't really matter what the bat looked like. Sure. And Ahmed had a couple of okay seasons, but for the most part, below average. Every team has at least one of those guys. And Alec Thomas, I was comfortable with being that guy. But this postseason where where this power is coming from all of a sudden, it makes me wonder if he can develop into an average hitter what that can bring to an offense like this a guy who can play now every single day doesn't have to sit against lefties if he can get to that point in his career we could be talking about Alec Thomas on a whole nother level from where he's at currently I mean realistically if not for a slight deficiency against the pitcher of the same side that he hits he's an everyday player on his defense alone and his speed I mean, it's funny because I've made the same tweet twice in two years. You know the whole joke that two-thirds of the earth is covered by water and the third is covered by land? That third is actually covered by Alec Thomas, believe it or not. (laughs) He covers the entirety of the remaining planet. Right. It's just the offensive numbers aren't really there. He hit 230 this season, 273 on base. That's not going to cut it in terms of Major League performance, but um, if he can develop that to the point where he's hitting 240, 250 on base around 300, 310, now we're talking. But hey, you know That's what? an everyday player with the defense he provides. At the same time, the postseason is the perfect place where a, a player can turn his entire career around. Imagine the confidence this going. instills. Think about David Freeze when he was in St. Louis. Dude was an NLCS and World Series MVP and became a staple for those Cardinals teams after that. It's true. Let's talk about the bullpen today because they were relied upon to get, oh, I don't know, nine innings of work. Eight players, by the way. Eight different pitchers for both teams, actually. Eight pitchers tonight. Uh, The Phillies and the Diamondbacks doing a little bit of gamesmanship here in Game 4 because the Diamondbacks ran out of starting pitching. They were not uh, going to use Zach Gallen on short rest. Torrey Lovello made it very clear he would not do that. So he goes with Joe Mantiply. You and I talked last night. What would you do in game four? I had said, you throw the lefty. That that makes sense. Yeah. I assumed it would either be Kyle Nelson or Joe Mantiply. That seemed to be the strategy. They go with Mantiply for an inning. He gets a clean first inning uh, against some of the big boppers on the Phillies. Semi-clean. Uh, yeah, he gets Trey Turner hit. gets on, but then he atones by getting the pickoff, which is right. huge. Trey Turner had not been picked off all year. Right. So once you do that, I mean, I know it's just one out of the nine innings, but... The bullpen game tonight worked because they got the job done early and they got the job done late. Yep. The middle of the game, I mean, we could talk about it. It was Kyle messy. Nelson got a little bit roughed up. Miguel Castro had a run credited to him. Saul Frank did not have a good night. Let's actually talk about that for a second. 
Andrew Saulfrank has been fantastic since being called up late in the season. Yep. The only run he had been credited was the one that Ryan Thompson gave up yesterday on a wild pitch. So we'll give Saulfrank the benefit of the doubt on and that. And then today happened. So he comes in for the third game in a row. Now, granted, in game two, I guess that would have been, he only threw one pitch. He threw one pitch. So I barely count that as an outing. I know he warmed up and he went through the whole routine, but... He gets a third of an inning, but we all know that it's a microcosm. Tonight, he only got the one out. He gave up one hit. He walked three hitters. The location just wasn't there for him tonight. He wasn't hitting the strike zone. I understand towards the end, Torrey Lavella wanting to leave him in because he was facing Schwarber, Turner, Harper. And that is the three guys in the lineup that you're trying to throw a lefty as best you can. They did it to start the game with Mantiply. Nelson got a chance. And then Saul Frank. And quite frankly, I understood it. Uh, but once you see that Saul Frank is visibly shaken and is kind of yelling at himself almost out there on the mound, you have to realize in the moment, okay, this might not be the best strategy. You have to react. You can't sit. You got to do something about it. And I think that a lot of fans are frustrated with the Diamondbacks and Tori Lavello in particular, because this is his call to stick to the analytical game when it comes to the bullpen usage. He stuck with the lefty because he had the lefty lefty matchups that he wanted. And while it wasn't devastating to this game, uh, it wasn't good. The middle innings were not good from this bullpen tonight. But when no. you ask your bullpen to give you nine complete innings and they're shut out in the first two and shut out in the last two, I think you'll take that most days. You have to think about tomorrow, too, with the way they th- they threw it out there. You've used your best four relievers now on back-to-back days, and you've got your ace on the hill tomorrow, but they also have their ace on the hill tomorrow. And if it's another pitcher's duel, are you really going to ask for a third day in a row out of Ryan Thompson? Are you really going to ask for a third day in a row out of Kevin Ginkle? Honestly? Paul Seawald? Yeah, probably. Because you, as far as I know, who did not pitch tonight... Slade Ciccone, Ryan Nelson. I don't think either of those guys are pitching tomorrow. Really? I don't. I think those are like the first two options. No, I don't think either one of them pitches tomorrow. And here's why. Because I think with Zach Gallen, you're expecting at least six innings. Now You're, I, you're, you're hoping. I, I'm, I'm thinking you're, you're almost expecting six innings. If you're Tori Lavella from Zach Gallen. And it depends on how, how many times he goes through the lineup. I mean, I know that third time through is really one where they, they start thinking about polling. Right. Um, but at home, Zach Gallen's a different animal than on the road. This isn't Philadelphia. This is game five at Chase Field, where surprisingly to me, and maybe me only, this crowd has been nuts. Just nuts. Yeah. And I shouldn't say I'm surprised. I was hoping that it would be nuts. But you had a 2 o'clock game on a Thursday in the middle of a work day. Showed up. People showed up. We talked to kids on the post-game show last night. We had an 8-year-old yeah. call in saying, my parents got me out of school. That is what baseball is all about. But let's be honest. It's hard to go to a 2 o'clock game on a work day. And so the crowd surprised me a little bit. Tonight was more or less the same. It, it's been perfect. The crowd has been perfect for these games, and I'm glad they showed up. Let's do it one more time tomorrow, and I fully expect that they will. You want to take a quick break, and then we'll take some calls? Yeah, let's do that, actually. We're going to take some of your calls here on the post-game show coming up. So if you have thoughts, you want to celebrate a little bit with us tonight before we get ready for Game 5, let's do that. 602-260-9870 is the number to call and get into this action. I will warn you now, sorry to interrupt on the phone number, we have a full bank right now. Okay. So if you're trying to call in... 
Just just wait your turn. Try to get online. We've got a very patient group of individuals waiting on hold right now. So just wait a little bit longer because we've got about a few minutes before we come back. 602-260-9870. We're talking to you next on the Arizona Sports NLCS post-game special. Arizona Sports NLCS post-game special on 98.7 and the Arizona Sports app. Alvarado ready. Marino digs in. And a shot to left center. It's a hit. D-backs lead. Other runner goes to third. Marino delivers in the clutch. It's 6-5 Arizona. Gabby Marino took a 3-1 pitch and drilled it between the center fielder Rojas and Marsh to put the Diamondbacks on top. Where in the bleepity bleeping world would this team be without Gabby Moreno, Steve? What a big trade. Uh, like I said, a team-altering trade. Hazen's best trade he's made since he's been here. 100%. Has to be. I might I might tinker with that a little. I think Cattell Marte might be the better trade. Ooh. They're both huge, let's be honest. And if you want to go back to that final play you just played here, you've got... Both of those trades on display. Gabby yes. Moreno comes through with the hit for the go-ahead run, and Cattell Marte scores that run. The first major trade Mike Hazen made in 2017, or leading into that season, was for Cattell Marte, who was kind of not even the prime piece in that deal. Taiwan Walker was, yeah. who's sitting in the bullpen for the Phillies, by the way. Well, I mean, the prime piece of that deal went the opposite way. Gene Segura. Gene Segura going from Arizona to Seattle. Who was an all-star. Yeah. In Arizona. I think his only season in Arizona. No, he was an all-star again in Seattle, crazy enough. True. And so both of those great, amazing trades. Hazen's had some really good trades. There's no doubt about it. And they were both of his two biggest ones were on display in that final play of the game. It's just every everything's coming together, Steve. It's crazy to see. Uh, Steve Zinsmeister, I'm Mitch Vareldis. You're here on the Arizona Sports NLCS postgame special. We have a full bank of callers, and I've been making them wait way, 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 way too long. So here's what we're going to do. If you're listening on the phone right now, here's the question that we want to ask you. This series is tied 2-2. So are the D-backs going to win this thing? Are the D-backs going to win this series? That's the question for you right now. We're going to start with Kyle, who's on his way home from the game right now. Kyle, are the Diamondbacks going to win this series? Oh, my gosh. It feels like that. I mean, we got some big games coming up, but holy cow. I mean, everybody, you guys were talking about it. Like, everybody's come in big at different moments. That's been that's been the DNA of this team all season long, right? Like, we go out and we get fam at the deadline, and then he comes in late at the season and starts doing well. And I think, you know, some of those guys, some of those bats, Corbin, Walker, fam, have been a little slow this series. But, I mean, we've got guys like Perdomo, Haven Smith, pinch hitting and getting on base and then Alec Thomas coming up big so I mean holy cow it's this is an exciting team to watch I mean it's D-backs baseball that you know this is this is awesome man it's just to be at the game like the series the energy it's it's good it's it's good to have a buzz at the game holy cow <laughs> I think holy cow indeed Kyle I think pretty much everybody agrees with Kyle on that energy thanks for the call Kyle uh an interesting point he makes too about Corbin has basically been non-existent his only hit in this series was the initial uh broken bat single in game one I guess that would have been yeah uh Walker 
has struggled mightily in this series. Tommy Pham has been moved down the lineup a little bit because of his struggles. Um, so to Kyle's point, it's going to be interesting if those three guys or any of them can pick up the pace in the coming games. That really adds something to your team that's already got momentum in their favor going into Game 5 tomorrow. Um, some unexpected names making contributions. Paven Smith, after his hit tonight, he was 3-for-3 three three in the postseason. There might be an argument to get Paven Smith into the lineup for Game 5 tomorrow. And I tell you what, we, we talked about it off-air. We can bring it up later, but there's a certain individual that I would pine for maybe giving him a night off, and I know a lot of people would probably hate me at the suggestion, but that's a the Night te- off in the NLCS. That's the tease. I'm going to save that for later. All Matt right. is in Mesa. Matt, are the Diamondbacks going to pull it off and win this series? What do you think? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's amazing. The, the way it's playing out, I just believe that they're going to do it. They're going to they're gonna win this series. They're going to go on and uh, win the World Series. I got to go to the game ye- uh, yesterday with my son for the first time, and uh, I just think this is an amazing run, and uh, it's just real special, real special to see. Um, I'm glad you had we that agree, moment Matt. with your Thanks son, for the Matt. call. Yeah, thanks, man. It's really cool, man. And it, what's really awesome is these Big pressure situations they get into, right? Mm-hmm. So at the end of the game, you know everybody in that stadium knows they're going to Paul Seawald. And it's funny, you've called it the Paul Seawald experience, right? Where <laughs> it's never easy. It's, it's never easy with him. Yeah. Paul Seawald's a great closer. There's no doubt about it. But he doesn't have the most incredible stuff of all time. And he doesn't have the most velocity of all time. But he even talked about it. He's, I think it was with Wolf and Luke on the station. You know, all I do is throw high fastballs and sweepers, and that's really it. And we managed to get by. And it feels like Paul Seawald is almost always good to put one guy on base, but he's going to come through. And to have a guy like that who's trustworthy at the end of the bullpen, that's something I feel like the Diamondbacks really have experimented with for years to try to make shift the end of the bullpen. He's as solid as they've had in a long, long time. Who's the most solid closer they've had before Paul Seawald? The last really, really good one. Papa Grande? Valverde? Probably. How long ago was that? 2007, 8. I mean, mean, he was the closer during their last time they were in the NLCS. They've been trying to piece together the back end for so many years. Fernando Rodney, Greg Holland at times, Brad Boxberger. Archie Bradley. Archie Bradley at times. Mark Melanson. Joaquin Soria. Oh, my gosh. Yoshi Hirano. Brad Ziegler. Scott McGuff earlier this season. <laughs> what happened to McGuff? Andrew Chafin. Uh, I love Paul Seawald. Wow. And you get another year of him next year. You know what? We we talked about the hindsight part of it. Like, think about how many saves he's had since he joined the team. I believe they said on the broadcast he had 13 saves since joining the Diamondbacks. Think about how many more saves they could have had if they had just had him for a full season. And now we get to know what that's like next year. And that's really exciting to think about. Austin is on his way home from the game. Austin, are the Diamondbacks going to pull off the win in this series? Pull off the win in this. We got everything lined up for us. Our team is finally hitting. We're getting some runs. We got Zach Gallen lined up. We got Merrill Kelly lined up. We just need them to lock in. Corbin Carroll needs to show up just a little bit more. And, man, we got everything lined up for us. We have nothing to lose. And the, the way that we're playing right now, nobody's going to beat us. We're right back to what we were. 
A safe drive home, Austin, from the game. Yeah, Thanks for the call. They set up really, really well. So tomorrow you're going to get Zach Gallen against Zach Wheeler at Chase Field. And we know that Zach Gallen's been a whole different pitcher at Chase Field. He's a Cy Young Award winner at home. He should be. That's the caliber of pitcher he is at home. Versus yep. on the road, not quite as good. We saw that in game one of this series. You know what else this sets up? This is now a best of three series. And you get the first shot with your ace at home tomorrow. So that sets you up pretty nicely. Now, two of the three games that you could play are on the road in Philadelphia. I get that. But you're looking at a best of three series right now, and you just got to win that. You know what else this sets up? This sets you up so that the Phillies will not clinch in your ballpark and go swimming in your Stay pool. Stay out of the pool! Tori you don't get to about swim! Tori talked about it after the game today. Saying we actually felt some motivation to not let the Phillies do that in our ballpark. Well, there was a story. I think somebody was quoted from the Phillies. At least I saw it briefly on Twitter. So if it's if it's misinformation, then I apologize for spreading it this way. But the Phillies were really looking forward to celebrating in the pool. And to that we say bleep you. Bleep you. That's our pool. Well, Diamondback's pool. It's not. Doesn't belong to you, Mitch. We can't, <laughs> As much as you want it. I can't afford a pool. Are you kidding me? That's Well, they already built it. You just got to lay claim well, to I it. I still can't afford I can't even afford the ticket package. I to think it. right now it belongs to Alec Thomas. Because <laughs> he hit the home run ball in there. <laughs> we ain't done yet. Does he get that back, by the way? Oh, I'm sure somebody is going to give Does it to Does somebody him, right? from the Diamondbacks like confront whoever caught it in the pool or, or the track fan it down? The, but, I don't know. I think you got it. You got to get that ball to Alec hey, Thomas. If, if you were. If you are a ticketed member in the pool area tonight and you're listening right now, will you DM me at Swingin' a Mitch on Twitter? What would you ask for if you were that fan and the team came to you and said, we need that ball, we want to give it to Alec, what do you want? A picture, at least. That's it? No, I'm not saying that's it. I'm just oh. saying, like, I'd love a picture. You With know, Alec like, Thomas? Yeah. I want pool tickets all next season. <laughs> even if the great. Even if the people who bought the pool for the night are not with me, I'm in the pool every night. You get the pool, and you get me. And you get to watch Diamondbacks And I'm great for what that's worth. (laughs) You relax. All right, let's go now to Josh in Glendale. Josh, are the Diamondbacks about to pull off an upset upset victory in this series? Wow. I'm I'm really appreciative you took my call. Yeah, they got a chance. And, you know, I was just hoping they'd keep them out of the pool to begin the series. And, uh, now, now everything's changed. And, uh, when I'm watching the game, you know, I didn't have the belief last night. I, at least to say I was nervous, but tonight was different. Tonight was like, I, I wasn't even nervous from being down five to three. I just felt like, you know, this is, this is what we're built for. We're coming back and, and to have that belief and to see the team have that belief is really makes me proud to be a deep backs fan. So thanks for taking my call again. Of course, Josh, Josh. absolutely. Have a safe travel home. If you're making your way home. I think I just love the quote from Tori Lovello after the game today, talking about I'm tired of the narrative that we're just lucky to be here. It's such a great quote. Because this team is playing right now, like that's in the back of their mind. Maybe the front of their mind the entire game. It's got to be front of mind, right? It's got to be. Again, they had the fewest wins of any postseason team. Like going back to the original 12 teams that made the postseason, they had the fewest of every single team. And they are two wins away 
from a trip to the biggest championship they've had that this city has had since the 2021 Suns. Like, that feels like forever ago. And for Diamondbacks fans, the last time the Diamondbacks were in a moment this big was 2007. And they did nothing in 2007. You and I were probably in grade school or just entering middle school by then. 2007. Where was I in 2000s? I was in Texas. And yeah, I would have, I think, just started high school. Maybe, maybe. I think I was just about to start middle school. I'm not trying to date myself here, but I think Uh, that's where I was at. By the way, we had a um, somebody on Twitter who corrected me. We were talking about last time you had a lockdown closer, and they I brought think up, I saw that too. And they yeah. brought up JJ Putz, and I didn't want to slight JJ Putz um, because he's still around with the organization, and I love JJ. Uh, he had a really good four years with Arizona, so I think that I think he deserves that credit as well. He was a really good closer, a WHIP of one point zero nine, an ERA under three. So yeah, I think you could probably say JJ Putz. But I mean, when I talk like lockdown closer, like like really really great. Those are probably your big three that come to mind for me. And Seawald is already in that conversation. And that that's a big credit to Mike Hazen. We talked earlier about his trades for Cattell Marte and Gabby Moreno. Mm-hmm. Certainly franchise-altering trades. I think the Paul Seawald trade, I know it's a reliever, and that's not like the biggest position on the team. Having a lockdown closer like Paul Seawald changes the ball game entirely. I mean, I tell you what, it, at the time that he made that trade, it was the Diamondbacks' biggest position of need. Next to another starting pitcher. So, yes, it was a very important trade that they made. All right, coming up on the show, we are going to take more of your calls. 602-260-9870. Got another full bank. There's a lot of people that want to talk, Steve. Good, good. I want to talk to you. Maybe you were at the game tonight, and we get an opportunity to chat with you about the experience you had at the ballpark. 602-260-9870. Are the Diamondbacks going to not only be in this series, but are they going to pull off the win? More on that coming up. Mitch Vereldis and Steve Zinsmeister with you on the Arizona Sports NLCS post-game special. Arizona Sports NLCS post-game special on 98.7 and the Arizona Sports app. And a shot up the middle, center field base set. In his walker, Longoria will stop at second, and it's one nothing D-backs on the RBI single by Rivera. It got even more exciting from there. Alec Thomas hits a two-run blast that ties the game at five. Gabby Moreno drives in Cattell Marte to win this one six to five tonight. A bullpen game of all games in game four, and the Diamondbacks managed to pull it out. Steve Zinsmeister and Mitch Farrell this with you on the NLCS postgame special. We are celebrating tonight. It's a game four victory that ties the series as you head into game five tomorrow. I'm thinking those tickets are going to be pretty expensive, by the way. And hopefully not bought by anybody currently in the uh, state of Pennsylvania. Yeah. So to anybody that is somehow listening to this from the state of Pennsylvania, uh, if you want to buy tickets, I hope they're super duper expensive and you can't afford them. The because Diamondbacks, you're, you're a jerk face person. The, the Diamondbacks have completely flipped the script on this to say. postseason. And this oh, 100%. Series. Because the, all momentum was gone. We were here the other night uh, for game two, where it's just demoralizing to lose 10-0, to zero, especially in Philadelphia, where the Diamondbacks just looked like they could not handle the moment or the environment. And here we are, a couple of days later, where the series is now tied. And honestly, looking at some of the Phillies' best hitters over the last two days, Bryce Harper didn't have any hits today. Nope. Trey Turner had the one hit. Uh, Nick Castellanos goes over again. 
I don't want to say you're getting lucky because you certainly got to give credit to the Diamondbacks pitching staff for doing that. But at the same time, they've minimized some of the damage from some of the biggest hitters in their lineup. Well, and that's saying something. Uh, Schwarber homered again. Schwarber did homer. Let's not forget that. He also had a hit at the end of the game. I mean, he had the uh, the double off of Paul yes. Seawald, what we call the Paul Seawald experience. <laughs> it made it an experience, all and right. And they end up pulling Schwarber for the for the pinch runner, uh, Sosa. Uh, Brandon Marsh just had a couple of big hits in this series, so let's not has. minimize no, him because he had the game. He had the game tying at the time double. Don't get me back wrong. Back in the fifth, this Phillies team had eight hits tonight. Uh, they still managed five walks in this game, so their offense was fine tonight in terms of uh, putting runs on the board. It's just when you have Harper going over three, you have Castellanos going over four, and you minimize the damage from some of the others. Yeah, uh, that's big. That's big. It's the whole thing we talked about with the Dodgers, where somehow the Diamondbacks were able to mitigate completely Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts. And that never happens. Never. And so then it doesn't matter how much Will Smith put on the board or how many hits they got out of other guys in their lineup because the two best players did almost nothing. And so if you can mitigate one or two star players in the Phillies lineup on any given night, you got a chance to win. Series is tied at 2-2. You're going into tomorrow, and everything kind of starts over, right? You got Wheeler versus Gallon on Saturday, and then you go back to Philly on Sunday for a game six, Merrill Kelly and Aaron Nola, again, in Philadelphia. It's going to be a very interesting next couple of games, and if you're really, really lucky, you get Brandon Fott again in game seven. I kind of feel for Merrill Kelly that he doesn't get a home game. Yeah, And it's just the way it worked out. It's not his fault. He hasn't, I guess he hasn't gotten a single home game because the Dodgers, he had the one game on the road. Yeah. Well, in the Dodgers series, yeah, you only had one game at home and that was game three, the clincher that Brandon Fought pitched. Mm-hmm. And then now you've had Fought, Mantiply, and then tomorrow, Zach Allen. So yeah, Merrill Kelly has not pitched a home game yet in here's the another, season. Here's another thing we keep talking about home. I haven't mentioned this yet. Um, every game has been won by the home team in this series. And then over in the American League side, five games in, every team that's been the road team has won. Baseball's weird, man. Ideally, you win tomorrow, and then you go to Philadelphia in hopes of stealing one. That's I'd rather what you them, have to do. I'd rather them steal game six. And in theory, you would have, well, not in theory, we, we pretty much know. Yeah. You're going to have Merrill Kelly in that game six, and then a potential game seven would be Brandon Fought, who once again would be asked to pitch in the most complicated assignments of the postseason. But you know what? But let's he's lived br- up to every moment. Let's bring it. He's been great. He's been like 1A MVP of this team so far in this postseason. All right. We've had some callers being very, very patient. Once again, we know it's a very exciting moment and very exciting game. We want to hear your guys' thoughts about it. That's why we're going right now to Jonathan in Phoenix to get his thoughts on this game four win. Jonathan, go. Um, so I believe Philly's going to win the next game because just because you guys won two and only one by one, it's about time our uh, big hitters are going to start timing up Zach Allen tomorrow in your bullpen and taking him out. I'm just going to... So wait, are you a Phillies fan? Absolutely. Born and raised. All right, go ahead and hang up on that guy. Why did you give Come him another on. opportunity? Come on! Why did you give him a follow-up oh, question, I just, Steve? I just, I just wanted to acknowledge that he was a Phillies fan. He didn't lead with that. <laughs> we kind of got the gist of it, apparently. I, you know what? I, you know what I think it is, though. I think there's a confidence that's bred in Philadelphia that he goes into this game and he should feel the way that he does. 
He should believe in his team. The way that I think Diamondbacks fans should have believed in the Diamondbacks, even after a demoralizing game two. I fully believe in that. So I have no problem with a Phillies fan feeling confident in their team. They're a very good team. On paper, they're probably the better team in this series. But the game's not played on paper. The game's played on the field. And right now, the momentum is in the Diamondbacks' favor. So while I can appreciate the confidence in his own team, at the same time, right now, things are not going the Philadelphia Phillies' way. Maybe that changes tomorrow. Maybe I'm wrong. It's very difficult to win three games in a row, even when they're all home games for you. So it would be really something special if the Diamondbacks could pull off three wins in a row at home. But as we talked about, every team in this series, every team that's at home has won the game. And if that comes to pass for the entire series, the Diamondbacks will lose. They don't have home field advantage. So that's the scenario you find yourself in. If another Phillies fan calls in, we're going to throw batteries at them. Get out of here, Phillies fan. Seriously. Um, Just jealous. Adam, you're not a Phillies fan, are you? No, sir. I am uh, born and raised here in Arizona. As a matter of fact, the best uh, day of my life was uh, Game 7 of the World Series. So it was my birthday wow. uh, against the Yankees, and we celebrated my birthday with my family. Um, it just happened to land on my birthday on November 5th. Uh, actually, November 4th was the day, but... You know, uh, today was awesome. Uh, it was a lot of ups and downs. And, you know, the bullpen was, was just incredible. You know, uh, Tori Lavella was, you know, he, he came in with the plan and they executed, although Saul Frank was a little bit, uh, you could tell his body by his body language he was nervous and, you know, that he, he was losing his confidence. But all, overall, I mean, it was a fantastic game and great finish. Uh, I believe that. You know, Zach Gallen wants to get his revenge tomorrow against the Phillies, you know, facing them a second time. And I believe he will. I believe that he will pitch better than he did in the first game. But the, the offense needs to show up, man, at least earlier, because uh, the, we're, we're, that, we're kind of a contagious team where if we score early, we're hard to beat. And, but, you know, the, we are the answer backs at the same time. So we, I think we have a, a lot of confidence going to game five. I think we're going to take game five, and then who knows what happens from there. You know, uh, my, my friends are saying, hey, what do you think? Do you think they're going to make the World Series and this and that? Uh, oh, you know, this and that. And, and, and they have some concerns. Like, oh, but my concern is if we make it to the World Series, you know, what if we don't do this or that because that team is this good and this. I'm like, you know what, man? Just don't worry about a problem that you don't have. Like, let's just win tomorrow and go from there, right? So, I think it's awesome. Adam, I agree. Thanks for your call, man. Um, I, I don't want to like get nitpicky about his response about like they got to get out and score early because if you look at the box score, the Diamondbacks scored a run in the second and they scored a run in the third. Granted, two runs early doesn't necessarily mean that it's guaranteed. Philly responded with five runs unanswered as the game went on. There were a lot of opportunities that the Diamondbacks had tonight to really tack on some runs and they just could not for the life of them get that hit necessary until they loaded the bases in the seventh and until Alec Thomas came to the plate in the eighth they it just felt anemic for the longest time they left 10 on base for the second day in a row and usually I would say that's completely unacceptable that you can't win a ball game that way clearly I'm wrong because they did win the ball game um, but it's not ideal I mean Philadelphia left six on base today too and so uh, it's all about taking advantage of the opportunities in front of you. And tonight they took advantage of more opportunities than they have the entire series long. 
Alec Thomas hit an important home run. That's obvious. But Gabby Moreno comes up big. Cattell Marte had multiple big hits. Uh, not just today, but he had three yesterday. He's got five hits in the last 28 hours. <laughs> I mean, that's insane. Gabby, 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 Gabby. I'm talking about Marte. Oh, sorry. Cattell, 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 Cattell. Marte had three yesterday and two today. By the way, continues his hit streak to start his postseason career. He's now at 13 straight games. He ties... Can I just read the stat real quick? Yeah, yeah. He ties Greg Lazinski, I believe it is, the former Philly great, with 13-game hitting streak in the postseason. There is one man left that he has to beat to tie. He has a chance to tie, and then he potentially has a chance to beat. 1995-96, Marquise Grissom, 15-game postseason hitting streak to Marquise start his career. Marquise Grissom. Does, do you know which team he was on when he did that? Um, Off the top of my head, no. Okay. 95-96, I would think the Cubs or the Rockies, I believe. Interesting. I'll look it up real quick, but go ahead. A phenomenal postseason career so far. And you're talking about uh, two, the two leadoff hitters in this game tonight. Both are remarkable postseason hitters. Cattell Marte's been fantastic. The sample size isn't massive. He went in 2017, the first year that he was here with the Diamondbacks, and then uh, obviously this season as well. Kyle Schwarber, another all-time great postseason hitter. Tonight he had two extra base hits, including his fourth home run of the series. He's a boomer bust guy. We know that. He hit under 200 during the regular season, but this is a guy who could put the ball over the wall in any at-bat. Tonight, he actually hit one off Kyle Nelson, the lefty-lefty matchup. Didn't work. He now has the most home runs by any left-handed hitter in postseason career. He surpassed Reggie Jackson tonight. So are we supposed to call Kyle Schwarber the new Mr. October? (laughs) Is that how this works? I don't know. Also, I I mentioned two teams that could have been the possibility for Grissom. Um, First of all, he didn't play for either the Cubs or the Rockies in his career. So good call. Good on me. Uh, The correct answer was the Atlanta Braves. Okay. Was who he was a part of when he had that 15-game postseason hitting streak. Interesting. All right, cool. So again, Cattell has the chance to tie it at minimum. And if they force a Game 7 or get to a Game 1 of the World Series, he has a chance to break it. Wow. That's crazy to think about, right? Interesting. All right, let's get back to the phones. Let's do that. We've got a full bank, so if you're trying to call in, please be patient. But again, that number again, 602-260-9870. 602-260-9870. Again, full bank, because a lot of people are being patient, patiently waiting, like Holly in Mesa, who's calling in after this Game 4 victory. Holly, you're on the Arizona Sports NLCS postgame special. Hey, I was at the game last night. I was there tonight. I'm going tomorrow night. And let me tell you, we're going to win. Do you want to know why? Yes. yes. We, have been the, we have been the most underrated team in like the history of underrating. We get no credit. They bring in this Kimbrel. He collapses last night. We watch him collapse tonight. And they left him in there to finish the collapse for us. So all I can say is our team is doing what they do really well, which is playing together, playing well, and we're going to win tomorrow night. I sit right behind home plate on the third deck, section 316, and you know what? It's like Christmas Eve, and tomorrow morning, Christmas is going to come. I love the energy. I love that analogy, Holly. Thanks so much for the call. Tickets right behind home plate. Holly's the person to be with. Home plate, that nice little bird's eye view spot. That's yeah. a good spot up there. Uh, she brings up Craig Kimbrell. I yes. think we should talk about that for a second. Sure. This is a guy who's got 417 career saves. He's been there, done that. He's one of the best of all time to do the thing that he does, which is close out ball games. Had a phenomenal start to his career in Atlanta. 
I mean, he led the league in saves four straight years. That's incredibly hard to do. This is a guy who's got a career ERA of 2.40. A guy who has a whip under one. One of the best pitchers at the back end of this generation, without a doubt. And a long career at 14 seasons now. Yes. But here's the thing about Craig Kimbrell. He hasn't been typical Craig Kimbrell the last few years. He had some really rough seasons in Chicago in particular when he went to the Cubs at age 31. Really rough because he had been to seven All-Star games in eight years. Then he goes to Chicago. He leaves Boston, goes to Chicago. Two really bad seasons. He ends up in Chicago again with the White Sox. Really bad season. Goes to the Dodgers. He was okay. He was okay, but the whip was as high as it's ever been in his career. Goes to Philadelphia this season, has a decent enough year. I mean, the whip goes way down. The ERA is right around three. And he now an all of a sudden, again this year. yeah, all of a sudden at age thirty-five, he's back to being twenty-five-year-old Craig Kimbrell. Yeah, but here he is in the postseason, and Holly's right. The Diamondbacks have gotten to him multiple times in this series, and you almost start to wonder too because he came out in the eighth inning, not in the ninth inning. Yeah, and you have to wonder: Are the Phillies reconsidering the back end of the bullpen right now, mid-series? If you have a game tomorrow at Chase Field where all of a sudden the, the Phillies have a one-run, two-run lead going into the ninth or going into the eighth inning, are you going to see Kimbrel or are you going to see Alvarado? I think that's a legitimate question that they should be considering tonight because they might be changing their mind on who the closer of the Philadelphia Phillies is. You know, it's funny. I don't really, th- I haven't really thought about it all that much. But the consistent thing that we've noticed about the Phillies has been what the same starting nine that they throw out there every single game, right? It's been the exact same starting nine. I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's been the majority of the same starting lineup every game of their postseason run, or of their postseason for them. But they're switching it up in the most important part of the game this late into the run? That has to make you think that maybe the Diamondbacks could have the edge in this one. Because what have we talked about? One of the most effective part of the Diamondbacks so far this postseason has been those four guys in the back end of the bullpen, Right. If you can just make it to the Saul Frank or the Thompson, whoever comes out first, then you can get to Ginkle, you can get to Seawald, and you're probably going to win. And they have won almost all the times that they've led it that way. For the Phillies, it's kind of the opposite. What the heck is their back end? Their back end might actually be the weak point and might lead to a lot more of these answer-back performances that we've gotten the last two nights. Alvarado only got one out tonight. Uh, He did give up the hit that wins the ball game. Craig Kimbrell got two outs, but he gave up three hits, three earned runs tonight. Um, some of their better relievers have been some other guys. Matt Strom's been pretty good. Sir Anthony Dominguez tonight was good. Uh, Kirkering has appeared in three straight games now, much like Andrew Salfrank. He probably won't appear tomorrow, to be Kirkering honest. Kirkering gave up the two walks tonight. So while he didn't get credited with any runs, he wasn't very impressive in my no. mind. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, the Phillies have got to be thinking about their bullpen as much as the Diamondbacks are. Because you're right, they've pitched pretty much everybody, right? The, they emptied all the shelves tonight, other they've than Ciccone and except, Nelson. Yeah. Ryan Nelson, I should say. It's two Nelsons. Yeah. So, tomorrow, you're going to have to pitch some guys who have already pitched in one, if not two games in a row. Difficult decisions to make. Let's take uh, one more caller, and then we'll take a quick break. Natalie in Santan. You're on the Arizona Sports NLCS postgame special. Hi, guys. So I want to start by saying that I absolutely second what Holly said and her confidence in our boys. 
And I also want to real quick speak to the atmosphere of the game as I had the chance to go last night and again tonight. And tell you what, there were a lot of Phillies fans out there tonight. And first, I was a teeny bit worried, but I took uh, the call to action from Bickley and Murata to heart. You know, Thursday morning, they said, we need to get out there and we need to, you know, be just as vocal, be just as obnoxious as Philly is and speak up on behalf of our team. And rest assured, I annoyed everybody around me. And especially tonight, surrounded by Philly fans, they, as you can hear, my voice is going. Man, my hands hurt from clapping. But by golly, I gave the team as much as I could, and they're going to take us the rest of the way. Salute to you, Natalie. Love the effort. Love the support. Get home safe, okay? And I just want to make it clear that Bickley and Murata stole that from me. Uh, the oh, night well, before, you stop. Uh, the night before, we challenged. We challenged the fans. They were asleep when we went on the air last night. <laughs> I know. I'm just come kidding. on. We love Bickley and Murata, obviously. But no, yes, I mean we do. that's that's the point, right? This is a transient market. We all know that. We acknowledge it. Everyone in Phoenix, for the most part, comes from somewhere else at some point. Their family does. So there's a lot of Phillies fans in town. And they came in, they came into Chase Field in game three, up 2-0, and dominating at that point in the series. They had all the momentum. Yep. Phillies fans had every reason to pack Chase Field. And it was a two o'clock game on a Thursday. They had every reason for that ballpark they had to be filled with Phillies. To pack Chase Field or, you know, buy tickets to the game and then not even go to the game because they weren't even in the same state. But you know what? Diamondbacks fans heard that message. Heck yeah, they, they heard Bickley and Murata slash me. Heck and <laughs> they went to the games. And they lived up to the moment, the same way that the Diamondbacks players did today. And I, I, I got to be honest, if that crowd is 50-50 Phillies fans, I don't know that these last two games end the way that they did. I think the crowd honestly has an impact on the scoreboard. Yeah. I really do. It may not be a, a big impact. It may not sway the entire game. Um, but I think that the Diamondbacks players certainly feel the and appreciate what they get out of these fans each and every single game. So I think what Natalie said, what Holly said, I think everybody echoes that sentiment that the fans have really lived up to it here. It may not be quite the environment you're going to get in Philly, because let's be honest, there's not a lot of Diamondbacks fans in Philadelphia. Maybe none. I saw a segment Troy Hayden did on Fox 10 the other night going around looking for Diamondbacks fans in Philadelphia. And he's like, I've been looking for two hours and I got nothing. And I get that. Why would why would Arizona people move to Philadelphia? They're much more likely to move here. Right. Um, so it, it it's that much more impressive that Diamondbacks fans have done what they've done so far in this series. All right, we've got some callers waiting on hold, but we're going to take one final break, get a few more calls in here on this post-game show, and then we're going to look ahead to Game 5, maybe even take a peek at Game 6. I don't know. We'll talk about it next here on the Arizona Sports NLCS post-game special. Arizona Sports NLCS post-game special. On 98.7 and the Arizona Sports app. The 2-2 pitch on the way. He got him swinging. Seawald strikes out Turner. And the Arizona Diamondbacks have come back and won this ball game 6-5. They have even this best of seven series at two games apiece, winning back-to-back home games. And what a dramatic win this was tonight. I'm looking to keep Greg Schulte employed as long as possible. I know he's retiring after this season, but boy, is it good to hear the Gub keep on going. Steve Zinsmeister and Mitch Vareldis with you on the NLCS postgame special. Let's keep him employed for, what would it be, six more wins? 
Uh, into November would be nice. Six more wins before they get, uh, what would it be? Two losses plus four losses. Let's let's talk about it this way, because <laughs> I don't want to put the cart before the horse. You know I hate doing it. You're two wins away from going to the World Series. Yep. That's where you're at right now. Yep. By the way, the Phillies are also two games away from the World Series. Also true. So We're this in a is best now of three. a best of three series. You got two of those games. Potentially, you have a game seven on the road. So two of the three would be in Philadelphia. That's difficult. No one says it's not. Sure. Uh, tomorrow, Game 5, you're going to have Zach Gallen versus Zach Wheeler. We know how that went uh, in Game 1 in Philadelphia. It was not great. Zach Wheeler was fantastic. 8Ks in 6 innings, allowed a couple of runs, but other than that, or 5 and 2 thirds, I believe. Other than that, he was practically untouchable. In that game, 6 innings, 3 hits, 2 earned, 8 strikeouts, like you said. 81 pitches he threw in that game. He was fantastic. Zach Gallen, not great on the road in that game. 5 innings, 8 hits. He did have the two walks as well. He gave up five earned. His bullpen came through for him that night. That was Nelson, Castro, and Frias. Um, but those aren't even your prime guys in the bullpen. So you do get Zach Gallon at home. He's a much, much different pitcher at home this season than he has been on the road. Um, I think early in the season, he just got roughed up on a lot of road trips. I think Pittsburgh, Detroit, one in L.A., um, that kind of set the tone for his numbers for the entire season. But I think you're hoping to get vintage Zach Gallen, Cy Young caliber Zach Gallen at home tomorrow, and that could give you a lead in this series. It's the expectation, right? Who's, who's better is going to be better, basically. And I wonder if the Diamondbacks fans can really get into it early. And I'm not saying that they haven't in these first two games at home in this series. But I'm wondering if they can get into it early enough to try and get into Wheeler's head a little bit. Right? Think about how Phillies fans were able to get into Gallon's head a little bit after the very first pitch that Gallon threw. Right? Think about how the Philly fans were able to get into Merrill's head a little bit after Trey Turner hit that home run over the left field wall, second batter into the game in the bottom of the first. Can the Diamondbacks fans do the exact same thing tomorrow for Zach Wheeler very early on in this game? Talking about Zach Allen home and away this season, I don't really care about wins and losses, but it does kind of paint the picture nicely. At home, he was 12-3 and this season. On the road, he's 5-6. and At home, he had a 2.47 ERA. So let's call it 2.5 ERA at home. 4.5 on the road. A full two runs higher when he was away from Chase Field. Look at the whip. 1.03 1.03 at home, 1.20 on the road. Zach Allen is a decent pitcher on the road. Mm-hmm. He's an unbelievable pitcher at home this season. That's what you're hoping to get tomorrow. That's what you need to get tomorrow so that you can get ahead in this series and go into Philadelphia and try to swipe one of those two games. Let's take a few more calls before we wrap things up here on this Arizona Sports NLCS postgame special. We've got Andy, who's leaving the game, but... Uh, he's been on hold for a while, so maybe he's already home. Andy, can you confirm? Hey, how's it going, guys? Um, not home yet. I live out on the west side, so. <laughs> I, um, I understand that feeling as a Glendale resident. I feel you, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, if we couldn't top uh, yesterday's game, you know, today, tonight was, you know, spectacular. You know, it was a all-around good game for the full team, bullpen, 
the guys are starting to hit again. It's good to see them starting to get some momentum. You know, um, I'd love to see, you know, Corbin and, and Walker get back in there and get their groove. I'm hoping tomorrow we can get that with the fans and go. Um, but you definitely felt a shift um, in the fans, and and I think we're we're on the right track so that we can get uh, get a win tomorrow and go into Philly with some confidence. Andy, thanks so much for the call, man. Get home safe, all right? Let's talk Christian Walker for a second. Has not been good in this series. And I think the way that Paven Smith has swung the bat the last two days, there's something there. Now, I'm not suggesting sitting Walker for Smith. But I think you got to find a way to get Paven into the lineup. And you've only got so many spots he can play. Hey, I And can, I don't want him in the outfield. Here, I'll, I'll help you out. I'll suggest that maybe Paven Smith over Christian Walker is a reality for tomorrow. So you would sit Walker. Let me put it this way. Between Walker and Pham, it is a black hole in the lineup right now. Whereas Paven Smith in a very small sample size is three for four in ga- in the last two games. He's come up clutch two games in a row. Very clutch. And it's, it's off the weakest bit of contact, too. Right? Like soft singles that are on the ground that are hit well enough out of reach that they're able to force movement on the base paths. Right? He's been a little bit of a catalyst for this team. Whereas Christian Walker, outside of an RBI walk, reaching base on an error and coming around to score, what is it? He's one for 12 in this series? One for 13. He's disappeared. And I don't think a gold glove defense is going to save you from being in this lineup when you need to win these games. I still can't bring myself to justify sitting one of your top three hitters in your lineup in the NLCS of all places. Is he one of your top three hitters right now, though? Because I argue he's not. Not in this series, but he, I mean, can you argue he's not one of their top three players offensively? Cattell Marte, Corbin Carroll, Gabriel Moreno. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't include Moreno top three. Okay, well, right now Gabriel Moreno is one of your top three offensive players, and you have to think about things right now. I'm sorry, like this is this is a very difficult conversation that we're having about whether or not you should bench the guy who's been a mainstay for you all season long. I want to give Christian Walker his credit too. I mean, because there's been some games in this postseason he was a huge part of. That first game one in the wild card series, he goes three for four against Milwaukee. Against a very difficult pitching staff. Yes. Christian Walker is capable of doing a ton of damage. He's, without a doubt, they came into this season with him being their only reliable source of power in the lineup. He was great in the Dodgers series, too. Yeah. Like, it's just, once he hit the Phillies pitching staff, it was, it disappeared. There's also this thing in baseball, and I feel this more in baseball than any other sport, where you're just due. Yeah. you You know where people say that? Like, oh, they're one for 13, so he's due for a game. Oh, Corbin Carroll is uh, one for 14 in this series or whatever it is. Uh, One for 15 against the Phillies in this series. Wanted to be accurate. And you're like, okay, well, that means he's probably due. Would you would you sit Corbin Carroll for Alec Thomas tomorrow? I wouldn't because Corbin Carroll, we all know what he's capable of. I'm not sitting Christian Walker for Paven Smith, but I'll, I'll give you this. I'll grant you this. I'm working Paven Smith into the lineup tomorrow because, you know, you're facing a right handed pitcher. Yep. Gives you an advantage there. I think that Tommy Pham has not been impressive. He's the guy I would rather sit between Pham and Walker. I'd rather sit Pham and have Paven Smith be the DH. That way, he doesn't have to play defense either. I don't have to stick him in my outfield, and I don't have to put him at first base, where, let's be honest, Christian Walker is the best defensive first baseman in the National League right now. Yep. And so 
I want Christian Walker out there. The defense is a little bit of icing on the cake. It's not enough for me to make the decision whether or not he plays. But this is one of your three best offensive players in your lineup, without a doubt. As good as Gabby's been, as good as Alec Thomas was tonight, uh, you can't, to me, you can't justify sitting one of your top three offensive players in the NLCS when you have a tied series against the Phillies. No, I mean, I I get it, but you, you could kind of argue the same thing about the idea of sitting fam. It's just, it feels easier to sit fam because he hasn't been with the team as long and he's not playing a premium defensive position. Fam is not the caliber of offensive player that Christian Walker is. Not even close, in my opinion. He he pitched he or he hit really well after being acquired. He had a great month of September, and I honestly don't think the Diamondbacks are in the playoffs without him. I really don't. So I want to give him credit where credit is due. Yeah. But if both of those guys are dead cold right now offensively, I'm sitting fam rather than sitting Walker. That's my personal opinion. Uh, I don't think it's terribly bold uh, to say I wouldn't want to sit Christian Walker. I think that guy is one of the best first basemen, certainly one of the most well-rounded first basemen in the game of in the entire league. And I think that he doesn't get enough credit for that. And while he's, you're right, he's totally cold in this series, there's no way I can justify in my head sitting him for Pavin Smith tomorrow. But I am working Pavin in the lineup, for sure. I'm going to try to do that. Okay, really quickly, before we get to Brandon and Phoenix, who's been patiently waiting, before we get to Steven and Phoenix, who's also been patiently waiting, we haven't even mentioned once the amazing catch that Lourdes Gurriel Jr. had tonight. Oh, really good. Really, really good. Which is crazy because I don't think he's been a, really applauded for his defense at all. And that catch made this the game that it was tonight. It's so hard, too, when you're in an outfield that includes Alec Thomas, who's nominated for a gold glove. Yes. Corbin Carroll, who I think could probably over the course of his career be nominated in all three spots in the outfield. Yes. He can certainly play all three spots and has been asked to play a lot of center field in this series against the lefties the last two games. Um, yeah, it's hard for Lourdes Gurriel to stand out out there. And remember, the Diamondbacks for a long time had David Peralta out there, who was a above average fielder, Who's, got nominated way, for a gold glove again, yeah. <laughs> which I don't understand. <laughs> the left field in National League is a joke. Oh, yeah, it really Sorry. is. I think like, Ian Happ left, got nominated. Left field in the American League, Stephen Kwan's a fantastic outfielder, but left field in the National League? Oh, I think it was gosh. Peralta, Happ, who was the third one? I don't can't remember, remember who it was. It's but no honestly, impressive. I'm sorry. There's probably two Diamondbacks I'd rather have on that list. Like, Lourdes should have been nominated in left field. He's got a good arm, too. Yeah. He didn't make the play at the plate quite today. We, we we had some griping about how all that went, and then you responded with, well, what would you have done? And I didn't have a response. So. Yeah, I would have thrown home, too. <laughs> it's just it was a really hard line drive, and he kind of timed it a little early. Yeah. Um, but the throw didn't quite get there. All right, Brandon and Phoenix, you've been patiently waiting. Let's get your thoughts on this game four win. Go. Hey, I appreciate you guys taking my call. Yeah, no problem. I'll tell you, I'll tell you guys what. I'm gonna use a Hank Hill reference. I'll tell you guys what. We absolutely have the ability to win this series. In the face of adversity, we'll show you what a team is really made of, Jack. And man, we just went out there and proved that uh, we're a force to be reckoned with. One thing I love the Dimebacks to remember, and even the fans, uh, the physicality skills are theirs. We just proved that. The only thing that changed was their mentality and energy. Uh, we're going to need that when we're in the Phillies house, which will cause the energy share of the, all those Philly fans. And like the good old saying goes, if it's broke, fix it. And if it's not broke, don't fix it. And right now we have the blueprint. Uh, the Diamondbacks changed the narrative of the story, the narrative of the story. And we have to keep the same energy we have when we win, even when things are looking bad, because now we, we can turn it around. Oh, man, the team works, the dream works. You heard a little bit of everybody putting in their – 
their two cents. And right now we're firing on all cylinders. Uh, I wish I was watching the games in person. I've been sitting next to my radio app on my phone, running errands all day, right there like a little kid next to it back in the good old days when there's no TV. And, um, man, I, I had it. I had it blasted in every store I was entering, and it feels good to be a D-backs fan right now. Man, um, God bless us all. God bless America. I appreciate you guys taking my call again. And man, let's go D-backs. Let's go D-backs, Brandon. Thanks so much for your call, man. Have a good rest of your night. I mean, Brandon kind of said it all. He's got all the mantras written down, man. He's got all the metaphors, all the cliches, but he's he's got them lined up. And I love the passion and the enthusiasm. And I he talked about narrative. You go back to the quote. I've read it a couple of times already, but I'll read it again from Tori after tonight's game. He said, I'm tired of the narrative that we're lucky to be here. They are more than that. Mm -hmm. They're now asserting themselves into the conversation. I understand why the Phillies were viewed as the heavy favorites in this series. They've been here before. They went to the World Series last year. And you know what? A lot of their best hitters have like 200-plus at-bats in the postseason. Kyle Schwarber, you mentioned it earlier, he's now the has the most home runs of a lefty in the postseason ever. More than Reggie Jackson. Let that sink in for a second. That's crazy. Kyle Schwarber is experienced beyond belief at this. He only came into the league in 2016, by the way, when he went to the World Series and won with the Cubs. Yeah. And was arguably one of the best hitters on the planet that season. I mean, that's not that long ago, all things considered. That's like eight years ago, seven, eight years ago. You're talking about Trey Turner, who's been there, done that, with multiple different teams. You're talking about Bryce Harper, who's been there, done that. JT Real Muto has been in MVP conversations. And Nick Castellanos is one of the most underrated power hitters of this generation, in my opinion. This is a Phillies team that has been there and done that in every single way, and this Diamondbacks team just hasn't. Most of their guys have 25, 30 at-bats at most in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Cattell Marte has the most. I think he's just over 50. At bats, and by the way, he's really impressive. Uh, this is an underdog team that reasserted themselves, reinserted themselves into the conversation that they belong in the NLCS. This was not an accident. This was not luck. They forced their way into that conversation. Last call of the night, Stephen in Phoenix on his way home here on the NLCS Arizona Sports post game special. I mixed up the wording there, but Stephen, it's your turn to give your thoughts on Game Four. Hi there. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I just got home. And um, so uh, funny story before I mention what the Diamondbacks need to do for game five. Um, I was standing in the upper deck uh, just behind the cold beers and cheeseburgers by the playground on the third deck. And uh, I started holding my towel over the railings just to try and get the camera's attention. And that that was in the bottom of the seventh inning where the Diamondbacks started to piece things together. When they got a run, I'm like, all right, they got a scoreless frame in the eighth. I'm like, okay. And then when Alec Thomas hit that home run, I and after I just go ballistic, I just start to telling myself, okay, do not stop holding this towel over the railings for the rest of the game. And I'm not a superstitious person, but just like in the moment, it was nuts. You are now. You did it, Steven. You're the reason that they won tonight. Feel good about it, all right? <laughs> Thanks. Uh, but yeah, now that they have the momentum, I do think I do think it's important they probably get some of the big hits early uh, for Game Five and Game Six, uh, just to like uh, breathe easy a little bit, uh, just know what it's like to play with a bigger lead. Uh, and yeah, yeah, like some like obviously Christian Walker and Tommy Pham, like they need to kind of find their find their groove and Corbin Carroll too. Uh, and yeah, just Zach Gallon just needs to be home field Zach Gallon. 
one for tomorrow, most of all. Yeah, as good as these moments feel, Stephen, when you know Alec Thomas ties the game with a multi-run uh, homer or Gabby Moreno's hit or any of the home runs you've seen in the last couple of games, as, as fun as those environments are in those situations, it's a lot easier to play from ahead. It's a lot easier to go up early in the game and then play with a lead. Which See it, all of the Dodgers series. Which, <laughs> again, it's crazy. They led first in this one. They did. And it almost feels a forgotten fact of this game. They I, were up two to nothing in this game. Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with those middle innings were just, it, it was kind of stacking one upon another. Yeah. You know, where your bullpen just kind of wasn't quite figuring it out in middle of the game. Uh, it's weird because the Diamondbacks were pitching a full bullpen game. I mean, they relied on eight different guys to get through nine innings tonight. Yes. And that's a difficult thing to do, by the way. And we talked a little bit about Tori Lovello. Is, uh, a lot of his decisions are, are very difficult ones to make because they're relying heavily on a bullpen that uh, is almost entirely brand new in the last couple of months. And they had a game plan, and he said tonight the way it worked out was pretty close to the strategy that they put together for this game. Uh, it's unconventional. Usually you don't see bullpen games in the playoffs like this, especially no. not in the championship series. But that's because most teams who make it this far have at least four starting pitchers. The Phillies have four five well, I'm just going to say, look at the Phillies. They, use they have six starters that they could choose from, and they've limited it to their best four. Yeah. So here we are. The Diamondbacks somehow managed to pull it out in the bullpen game in Game 4. They head into Game 5 tomorrow with a chance with their ace on the mound to take down the Phillies and their ace, Zach Wheeler, who will also be on the mound tomorrow. And you could potentially have a 3-2 to two series heading back to Philadelphia, forcing a Game 7. Do you agree that they just got out of the most difficult part, the most difficult stretch of the series, and now the momentum is on their side? Let me explain. Uh, the, the momentum is definitely on their side. So let me explain. You figure going into an ace-ace battle in game one, but it's on the road. You're not expected to be the favorite, and they weren't, and they didn't win. You figure in game two, oh, okay, well, at least we've got another our, our 1B, right, to our 1A. And once again, it was in the home team's favor. How much confidence did we have? Like, if we can cor- co- Recall correctly, how much confidence did we have that Brandon Fott was going to maintain and get this team back in the series? Uh, I I was cautiously optimistic. I wouldn't say I was overly confident. And then how confident would we have been? Let's say they had lost in Game 3. They obviously didn't, but let's say they had. You have a bullpen game to determine your season. Yeah. That's just weird to think about, right? Not ideal, right? They are past the tough part of this series. I think everything is going to go the Diamondbacks way from here on out. Well, when you talk about the difficulty, I mean, it does kind of answer some questions for you. Because you know what lies ahead. You know you have Zach Allen tomorrow. Yep. You know that Game 6 would be, what, Monday? Monday. You know that Game 6 in Philadelphia, you'll have Merrill Kelly. And then I assume you'll have Brandon Fought for Game 7. Yes. A, a potential game it's, seven. It's telegraphing that way. So you no longer have the question mark of okay, what's to come next? Now the real question, if you want to, if you want to look deep into the future, and I don't want to look too far ahead, but if they mm-hmm. were to make it through that somehow in a game seven, do you are you able to pitch Zach Allen in game one? I would think they would be able to. At that well, point. I was going to argue actually, your best case scenario is to win this in six, and have Brandon Fought pitch game one of the World Series, and then Zach Allen in game two. 
Interesting. And just reset the rotation a little bit. That might actually be their best case scenario because like we've discussed, Steve, Brandon Fott easily has been an MVP for the Diamondbacks so far this postseason. Statistically speaking, he's been their best starting pitcher of the three. And we talked about it last night after his phenomenal performance. He's been asked to pitch three very difficult assignments. Yep. The first game of the postseason against the Brewers because you didn't have either of your aces available because you didn't clinch soon enough in the regular season. Yep. He was asked to pinch the clincher against the Dodgers in game three uh, at Chase Field. So that's a little bit of help there. Still the Dodgers. And then he was asked to turn around this series in game three at Chase Field. No easy task. He might be asked to pitch a game seven. We'll see. That's depending on what happens in the next couple of days. I think if the Diamondbacks pull this off and win it in seven, and it's once again Brandon Fott leading the charge, he has to be the series MVP. If they if they pull think. this off in six, then there's probably a conversation to be had. But again, what he's been able to accomplish, given the year that he's had, if you think from April to now, it's an astounding turnaround. And it's... Everything that Diamondbacks fans have been hoping for and looking forward to in Brandon Fott, who for the longest time was their top prospect. Diamondbacks fans hopefully will be heading in droves to Chase Field yet again tomorrow night, third night in a row, this time for Game 5. 5.07 will be the first pitch, that game on TBS on TV, but you're going to want to hear Greg Schulte in the call on Arizona Sports right here in that Interestingly enough, will be the next time that we talk to you after Game 5 tomorrow night. For my radio partner, Mitch Vereldis, for everyone else who makes this show go, I'm Steve Zinsmeister. We will see you after Game 5 tomorrow. That is the Arizona Sports NLCS Post Game Special.